This is Classical Ideas with Greg Soden. Welcome to Classical Ideas. This is Greg Soden. Today's episode is about an example of important dialogue that took place 800 years ago during a time of incredible violence. The event is when St. Francis of Assisi crossed the front lines of war during the Fifth Crusade for a face-to-face meeting and attempted converting the Sultan of Egypt, Malik al-Kamal, in Damietta, Egypt. I'm a relatively unlearned person regarding the Crusades, and the viciousness of these battles stunned me repeatedly as I was learning about it in the book The Saint and the Sultan, The Crusades, Islam, and Francis of Assisi's Mission of Peace by journalist Paul Moses. The book and the encounter of these two men, which was peaceful amidst the maelstrom of war, has many lessons it can still teach us today. When cross-cultural suspicions and insularity seem to be on the rise— rather than the decline. I have to give a shout out to one of my one of the listeners, Mark Janda from Santa Cruz, California. He wrote to me and suggested I reach out to Paul Moses about doing an episode to commemorate the upcoming 800th anniversary of the meeting of the saint and the sultan. So thank you to Mark Janda for the fantastic suggestion. Today's conversation is with Paul Moses. Moses is a former Newsday editor and senior religion writer. He is a retired professor of journalism, and he taught at Brooklyn College and the City University of New York Graduate School of Journalism. He was the lead writer on a Newsday team that won the Pulitzer Prize. He is the author of the Doubleday book, The Saint and the Sultan, the topic of today's conversation, as well as the book, An Unlikely Union, a love-hate story of New York's Irish and Italians, out from New York University Press. You can follow Moses' work on Facebook at facebook.com slash Paul B. Moses. There's also a PBS documentary that premiered in December 2017 about the encounter between St. Francis of Assisi and Sultan Malik al-Kamal, which premiered last year. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Paul Moses. Welcome to Classical Ideas. This is Greg Soden. I'm here today with author Paul Moses, author of The Saint and the Sultan, among other books. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Greg. Great to be with you. Can you briefly introduce yourself and your a little bit about your work for the audience? Yes. Uh, well, first of all, the book I wrote is The Saint and the Sultan, The Crusades, Islam, and Francis of Assisi's Mission of, of Peace. It was published by Doubleday uh, in 2009. And uh, I am a retired professor of journalism. I taught at City University of New York, Brooklyn College. And before that, I was a New York City uh, newspaper man. Uh, I've written two books and co-authored a third. 
So there's a there's a quick introduction. Oh, and I still write uh, regularly. I'm a contributing writer for Commonweal Magazine, and I write elsewhere. Fantastic. So the reason why I got in touch with you is because this summer is the 799th anniversary of a very important meeting in world history, in world mm-hmm. religion, in like culture and civilization. And that is the meeting between St. Francis of Assisi and Sultan Al-Kamil of Egypt during the Crusades. So mm-hmm. just to start us off, who are these two men as you see them? Well, uh, Francis of Assisi is one of the most famous Christian saints. He lived in central Italy. Um, he lived a life of voluntary poverty. Uh, he was uh, very interested in peacemaking. And as part of that, uh, he decided to travel to Egypt during the Fifth Crusade, which is where he met Sultan Malik al-Kamal, who was the um, uh, nephew of one of the great uh, warriors, um, Saladin, and who was uh, Sultan of Egypt. And he ruled Egypt very well as Sultan and Viceroy for some 40 years. Uh, just to situate us, we're in the uh, early 13th century, that's the 1200s, and Francis and the Sultan met in 1219. So yes, we're coming up on the 799th, and I think there are probably already plans in, in the works for the 800th. Wonderful. So I've had um, a bunch of ideas for writing books in my life, but I've never actually gone through with it yet. And because it's a, it's a tremendous undertaking to put together a book with the amount of research that goes into it and the amount of travel. So something about this event must have been really drawing you in. So what was it about the Crusades that drew you in to where you felt compelled to write a book about this particular event in history? Yeah, I, I saw a reference to it, and I guess it's kind of a devotional book about St. Francis. Uh, called the Little Flowers of Saint Francis, that was published in you know around in the early 1400s. So um, I'm sorry, early 1300s, and um, so it's about a hundred years after Francis lived, and it has many chapters and acts of Francis throughout it, and they're a little magical in a lot of ways. Some some parts of that that work, and I came up across this. Uh, short section that Francis met the Sultan of Egypt. And I was like, gee, Francis went to Egypt and met the Sultan during the crusade. <laughs> and I, I got very curious about that. And the basics, other, so I started to check to see if it was really true. And and yes, it, it, it did really happen. And what's kind of interesting about it is that they, they were on two enemy sides. They were enemies in the middle of a war, a terrible war, and yet they, they kind of hit it off. So I, I thought this is really interesting. I want to explore this, uh, find out about it, um, and and try to tell the story of it. So that, that's how it began. Did you did you grow up in either of these traditions? Like, had you heard of St. Francis whenever you were a kid or anything like that? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a Catholic, and uh, my confirmation name is Francis. Um, I think more after an uncle of mine than the saint, but mm-hmm. I was aware that there was this saint who who um, went around um, in a very cheery way, <laughs> uh, based on the the movies that I had seen. 
and uh, um, so I knew about him. Certainly, we know about if you you know in, in Catholic neighborhoods, you often see statues of uh, Francis out on people's lawns with um, uh, usually a bird in his hand, or and, and so forth. So yeah, no, I, I was definitely aware of Francis, but I, I wanted to um, understand him as a historical figure. So that that was the challenge there, and put him in the context of the times in which he lived, which were very turbulent. Yeah, and he was a he was a central figure in my own education as well. Whenever I was growing up in like Monday night um, Catholic school classes, uh, leading up to confirmation and everything, so he was a big figure in my life as well. Which is why your book is so useful because whenever you're a kid in school, I didn't really tend to pay attention to all the lessons. So I feel like I'm learning all the stuff now that I should have whenever I was young. So you've mm-hmm. uh, you've served a great role in my own education in that regard. Thank so I'm, you. I'm I'm playing catch up. Um, so, on page three of this book, you called the meeting between the Christian St. Francis and the Muslim Sultan, quote, a glimmer of hope in our own time. And on the back cover, the well-known Jesuit, Father James Martin, said the book comes just as we need it most. So, how does this meeting between a Muslim Sultan and a Christian monk have lessons to teach us in our world in 2018? Yeah, there, there's so much misunderstanding uh, on both sides uh, between Christians and Muslims. Uh, misunderstanding about their religion, even the history of, of their, their conflicts, and, and what their religions actually say about each other, I think. Uh, so here's an occasion where, under really bad circumstances, in the middle of a, a war, a Christian and a Muslim were just able to sit down and talk to each other in a civil way. So that you know, should serve as a model for us today also. I mean, it really jumps out um, the way that the viciousness that's described throughout this book and then the way that these two guys just seem to, like, hang out and talk and they're just people together in the midst of this maelstrom surrounding them. I mean, it's super impressive. Mm, yeah, it, start, it jumped out at me, but you know that it's interesting if you read the medieval chronicles. They're they're pretty graphic with their violence, uh, um, and and so the I wanted to I took made use of that in the book because I wanted to um, capture what reacting against, and also the Sultan too, because the Sultan actively uh, pursued peace treaties. Yeah, um, so. One of the things that really jumps out at me in the book is this concept of what's called the true cross. And mm-hmm. I'm just now kind of studying the Crusades. Like, I, I feel like this is a giant blank spot in my own knowledge. Um, but the true cross is something that's really interesting to me. So can you explain, like, what is the true cross? Okay. Um, the true cross is believed to be the cross on which Christ was crucified uh, outside Jerusalem. And um, it's said to have been discovered by St. Helena. Helena was the mother of Emperor Constantine. So we're back in the early 300s, around 326 or so. She went, uh, con- she went over to the Holy Land and, and is said to have found, uh, found this cross. Um, and it it kind of gets divided into pieces as relics often were and are. And um, 
it, it surf it, and eventually the, there's many places that say they have a, a little uh, chip, a little piece of the uh, the true cross. So uh, it enters into the story of Francis and the Sultan because during the uh, Fifth Crusade, the uh, Christian army's um, leader, uh, um, well, he was really the um, the Pope's representative at the scene, uh, uh, Cardinal Pelagius, that he had a, a piece of this true cross, what they thought was a piece of the true cross, that he brought um, uh, as kind of a, a token to, um, you know, to, to bless the effort, to bless the war, to show God wanted the, uh, the war and that you know, God supposedly wanted the war and God wanted the, we're gonna, was going to bless the, the crusade. And, and when they went out to a battle, the um, cardinal took this out there and on the side of the battle, different priests would, um, would pray. Um, which, the reason it worked into the book was that Francis himself would not go out with them. He stayed back in the camp and prayed there. But he, he didn't want to go out and see the battle. And, and if you know about Francis, you know that he was a great follower of the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, you know, that there's a lot of things that, you know, that you kind of read between the lines a little bit. If Francis didn't go out there, uh, and follow the cross, which would have meant everything, every everything to, to Francis. Uh, it's pretty clear he didn't like the way this was being done, um, and, and so that's kind of, that's how how it enters in, into the uh, book. He, he Francis was a great follower of the cross, but he wasn't going to follow in 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 that way that the cross was being used. Yeah, and just a second ago, you sort of alluded to the fact that the Sultan is. A, a kind of like a like a an olive branch offer. He keeps offering these peace deals throughout the entire book and throughout the entire story, and they keep getting rejected. So the Sultan comes off as like a much more humane figure in the book. What was your reaction to learning about these multiple rejected peace deals that the Sultan offers that the Christian leadership turns down? Well, I tried to understand the strategies. You know, the Sultan... Um, uh, he, he he had reasons for wanting to end the war, but I I, I think he didn't see the point of of what was going on either. Um, and on the Crusader side, the argument was being made that uh, the Sultan was willing to give the Christians control of uh, of Jerusalem, um, and the, the Christians felt no that they needed to conquer Egypt uh, also and the area uh, kind of surrounding Jerusalem. So that it, they could hold Jerusalem uh, and not ha- have it taken back, and you know their strategy was bad too. So I I, I think there's a, a mix of good intentions on the Sultan's part, based on his understanding of Islam also, and um, and just good strategy, you know, a certain sense of wisdom that there was no point in, uh, in pursuing the war. The Sultan had other worries. There was an army coming from the east, uh, the Mongol army, and he was more worried about them than the crusaders. So, um, so he was, he was, uh, kind of taking a middle course. The, the amazing thing was, uh, to me, um, eventually the Christians went too far into Egypt and they didn't know the terrain. And, um, what happens is that the Sultan ultimately wins this war by having the the level of the Nile adjusted so that the um, 
uh, Christian soldiers are standing in mud up to their waist <laughs> and, and are totally defeated. They're they're just like dead ducks there. And um, the, the Muslim army could have could have slaughtered them all, uh, but that's when the Sultan accepts a peace deal. The Christians come to him now for peace. He agrees. And he gives them food so they don't starve, and then helps them to uh, to get out of his country as quickly as he can get them out. He, he, but um, and the Crusaders are absolutely amazed, and they think that the Sultan must have secretly been a Christian. Um, but uh, that's not really so. The Sultan was definitely uh, a Muslim, and took his. Uh, took the teachings seriously there are teachings that deal with how to defeat to to handle a defeated uh, enemy and and he followed those so one of the things so that, 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 that that's why we see him as i see him also as a peacemaker in, a, in addition to francis right so it took this combination of these two guys because to me francis seems to be like fundamentally at odds with what's going on in the Crusades because he's like a totally anti-violent pacifist. And he seems like throughout the book to like strive to be as Christ-like as possible. And he's obviously seeing un-Christ-like tendencies in his fellow Christians of the day. So what do you make of this like dichotomy as, as like, was Francis much of an outlier during this time period or am I misreading that? You know, it's both. You know, Francis is a man of his time. Um, he sees the world in, in very religious terms, as you would expect uh, uh, someone in his period. Yet, um, I think he saw things that were wrong with 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 his society too. I, I think he was actually a pretty shrewd judge of of his society, even though he didn't like to portray himself as as smart at all. He was always um, he he was not interested in book learning, and um, but I, I still think he saw what was going on. And he's and so he. Um, um, it, it, I wouldn't want to say he's. There were there were other people in his time too who also were opposed to the crusade and and tried to separate themselves from some of the um, the greed and the violence that uh, that that fed into it. Um, and Francis saw that too. So. Um, Yes, he's a he's a man of uh, his time, and yes, he was he was able to step back and critique uh, what was going on around him. Does that answer your question? You think? Or? Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. um, do you see? So think about like in our modern world today, where where you're sitting in New York and where I'm sitting in Missouri. Like, are there any world events or historical? figures or people today that you would liken to like a modern day Francis and Sultan like coming together from very different perspectives and just realizing like how much they have in common and how um, like useless a lot of problems in the world today seem to be like can, can we like draw a parallel between a modern a couple modern people and Francis and the Sultan I mean it's it's hard to and it's 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 hard to do that I, I can say that there are people who, you know, try to cross barriers and and see the other as a human being. Um, gee, we just saw that amazing thing in North Korea where the, the president of South Korea really has been reaching out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a complex situation. I don't want to compare anyone to Francis or the Sultan, but we do see an attempt there to, um, to reach over barriers. And... Um, it's, Francis was so unique, 
you know that that it'd be hard to compare anyone to him. I mean, you can say that Mother Teresa had some aspects of of Francis' outlook in terms of poverty and and connecting with people on a person to person basis. But I don't think you know. I, I it's it's hard to draw direct comparisons because I I can't think of when she got involved in in trying to you know settle a war. So right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things in the book that you did a lot that I really enjoyed is you seem to like almost relish in like uh, pointing out some of the embellished representations of yeah. Saint Francis of Assisi. Like, did you yeah. enjoy pointing out some of the some of the misconceptions? Yeah, I think you know the investigative reporter in me uh, probably <laughs> did did enjoy that. Um, as as you follow Francis's story through, it really kind of gets warped by the politics of. Of the, the Franciscan order, and there were a lot of controversies within the order, uh, serious ones that almost resulted in the order being shut down, uh, serious ones that resulted in some Franciscans being, uh, I think, unfairly executed by um, you know, uh, the Pope in, uh, in the 1300s. So um, this all had an effect on how um, Francis was portrayed and Basically, the, some of the earlier accounts kind of capture his kind of delightful quirkiness, but as they as it goes along, he he becomes a lot a lot more restricted and and um, uh, you know not as interesting, I think. So 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 yeah, but but this this thing with his meeting with the Sultan is difficult for the early writers to handle because. A lot of the early writings focus on showing that Francis was a great saint, which he was. But I think by the logic of the time, if he wasn't enthusiastic about the Crusades, if he was opposed to the Crusades, how could he be a great saint? Mm -hmm. Right? Today we may look at that as, as a, we would look at that as a plus, but not at that time. So how he related to the Sultan is really a difficult subject. For for them to take on, I, I think that the most reliable there are many sources, but the most reliable source was actually by a, a, some letters written by a bishop who was there on the crusade, a big supporter of the crusade, a French bishop, and he wrote home. Uh, he had heard something about Francis going out to meet with the Sultan, and it's just a, it's just a short passage, but he shows that. It was um, it was definitely a friendly meeting, um, <clears throat> and later accounts try to make it appear more confrontational. So I had to I had to kind of analyze those accounts, and then so that was important an important part of the book. I could tell that you were having fun with it as well. <laughs> like every time, mm -hmm. uh, like whenever I noticed you had pointed out something that was like an embellishment or something in history, I uh, I kind of had a little chuckle because those are the <laughs> kinds of things that I, if I were writing the book, I would just like totally love those moments uh -huh. because that would feel so productive as a writer. Um, one of the things I also really like about the book is your, your personal touch. Um, mm -hmm. Do you need to get some water for a second? No, I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you seem to have done a lot of traveling with the book mm -hmm. and many of your photographs are included in the book. 
And I mm-hmm. really enjoy that because, like, as a reader, I can picture you in the spots where a lot of the events are taking place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Wh- what were some of your favorite days of traveling while you were researching the book? Uh, yeah, the absolute best was the day that I went to um, the uh, old mosque in Damietta. Mm. And um, it it was... Um, because I knew it was a place where everybody I was writing about had been at one point or another. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm sorry there. Oh, um, it's totally fine. I have all the editing capability in the world, uh, so yeah. all this is going just out. Take that water. I did need that water. Absolutely. So, uh, Please do. Yeah. It's springtime, and those things happen. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but um, um, can I go back on? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So at at the um, this ancient mosque in Damietta, um, uh, Francis had gone in there after the Crusaders con- conquered it. Um, the Sultan went there at the end of uh, his uh, after he took the city back, and um, this is a city that's at the mouth of the Nile. So anyway, I went there and I was um, uh, given a, a tour of it by the uh, uh, Egyptian Antiquities Authority. So that, and, and they were this mosque had fallen into terrible disrepair, but they were um, they were doing a whole massive uh, renovation, uh, restoring it to what it would have looked like in the 600s, and you know beautiful work with the tiles and, and and stuff and and so that that i think was the most fascinating thing because i was really i know i pretty much all the major characters in the book had come through that space at one time or another um and i and i loved uh you know being in cairo and seeing the medieval areas of cairo um i didn't go to the pyramids or anything like that <laughs> i i was i was in the, in the middle ages you know nice and uh, and then of course Assisi is a great place to visit, and I spent a week there. And and again, I I, I wanted to go to some of the places. And one of the places people don't normally go when they visit Assisi is the Hill of Calistrata, uh, and that's a hill um, a few miles outside the town. And in the book, it's really an important place because when Francis was a young man, he went to war. Uh, for his town against the neighboring town, and 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 he would would have been like a a cavalryman, like like a knight on a horseback, and and he had a horrible experience there. His his side, you know, was was massacred in this in this battle. There were inexperienced um, sons of merchants competing with noblemen from uh, the next city over, Perugia, and Francis was taken prisoner, then for a year. So to visit that place where this battle was um, and to see some signs of Francis uh, there, later, year, years, later years, he, um, there was a, a, like a little leper hospice there, and Francis had gone there to help lepers. And that, that building is still there, only it was converted into a school. Oh, wow. So, so it's still there. And the hill is still there, and you can see it. And it's kind of in a strategic spot overlooking the river. Uh, and at the very bottom, there's a, there's a shopping mall. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I, so I enjoyed that, too. Those, those are some, some of the um, special places. And uh, so, yeah, you just get it's, it's just nice when you're 
you know, writing about something that happened so long ago to, you know, connect with the people you're writing about through the actual place that you know they were. Yeah. So as you go through your life today in our modern world, how would you say that the lives and the encounter of Francis and the Sultan like inspire you in your day-to-day life? So you've like lived with their story now for several years. How do they mm-hmm. inspire you each day? Yeah, I mean, Francis tells me that, you know, you can always go to somebody to talk about it, that you should reach out, you should try to connect. That's what he did. You know, he wasn't afraid. He had to act, literally cross a battlefield, you know, to do that. And, you know, sometimes in our own lives, we have to do the same thing. Um, the Sultan, uh, I think he's, uh, he, he exhibits a lot of wisdom. Uh, he could have uh, just dismissed Francis when he came to his court. He could have um, had him imprisoned or even executed if he wanted, uh, maybe in, retali- in retribution for something done to one of his soldiers or and and uh um but but he was wise and um a kind of attuned to his own uh faith and uh and he was under a lot of pressure so uh, you know i think they both can can give you some models to follow on a on a personal basis um, how does, really quickly, how does, I know the Sultan was surrounded by Sufi mystic advisors. How does Sufism fit into this story for the way that the Sultan handles the war? Maybe how the, the way the Sultan talks to Francis? Like, where does Sufism fit into this? Well, Sufism is um, kind of a mystic strand of Islam. And, uh, to, you know, it's quicker to maybe recognize connections to mysticism and other, the other major religions also. Um, I, it's a tricky thing. I, the, the Sultan um, uh, was intrigued by this because he had a Sufi poet who lived in his court and uh, his advisor uh, may, may have had some connection. His religious, religious uh, advisor may have had some connection to... Uh, to Sufism also, but I, I wouldn't want to come across that this was just like some some narrow version of Islam that that the Sultan was following. That's not like the mainstream. The Sultan was a mainstream Sunni Muslim. Uh, he was, you know, well versed in the laws of uh, different a certain school of law and and all that. So um, I think it has an influence on him. But I I wouldn't want to overstate it either. Mm-hmm. And so today in the world, we also hear the word interfaith a lot. It's used a lot with like describing conferences, like interfaith conferences where religious leaders from many religions all get together and comment on the world together. So do you think that like Francis and the Sultan are sort of pioneers in what today we would think of as like interfaith um, communication? I, I mean, I, I think they're often held up. For the, as that kind of model uh, for maybe I put it in their case into religious um, dialogue, but just keep in mind in, in the period when they lived, no, that would have been a totally foreign concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, I, I think Francis is relating person to person. Francis wanted to convert the Sultan, right? Uh, you probably we probably wouldn't begin inter-religious dialogue on that on those grounds, <laughs> right? nowadays, right? Um, um, 
but I, I still think that they are a valid model if if we if if we don't try to put too fine a point on it because they did you know reach out to each other and listen to each other and talk talked about faith to each other um, and and so in some ways you could say it's a starting point but but they if, you know in their era if if we started talking about interreligious relations I don't think they would have. Uh, it would have it would have meant anything to them. Um, so I would say yes, uh, they 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 are kind of a model uh, for us. But yet um, we 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 have to remember that we're taking concepts from our own time. We can't really transfer it to theirs. If the Sultan and Francis were standing right in front of you, what would you ask them? What was left unanswered for you? Well, I'd I'd love to know the whole uh, the whole conversation that went on between them, um, because uh, you know we don't have that. Mm-hmm. We just have little bits and pieces, um, and 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 so we really don't know. You know, I think I say in the book, there's no video of it, uh, and so that's what I, I'd like to know. That the the first thing is you know everything that was said, you know, and 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 proceed from there. So, um, Paul Moses, um, the author of The Saint and the Sultan, The Crusades, Islam, and Francis of Assisi's Mission of Peace, um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today about your book. Um, can you say where people can find you if they want to know more? Uh, well, um, let's see. I am... Uh... I don't have a website right now. Uh, let's see. I guess uh, my email is paulmoses at optonline.net. That's where I'm reachable. And uh, uh, I should probably add that uh, there's, a, there's a docudrama that, that, is, uh, that uh, uses a lot, of, a lot of research from the book. I'm, I'm interviewed in it called the, the – it's called a little different from the title of my book, The Sultan and the Saint, instead of the other way around. Uh, that PBS did, so that's that's out there also if people are interested. And uh, what's your other book? Uh, I have a, uh, a more recent book called An Unlikely Union, The Love-Hate Story of New York's Irish and Italians. And it's also about uh, groups that were uh, at odds with each other, uh, two of the major ethnic groups in New York City's history. Uh, and how they overcame their uh, the, the barriers that were between them. So. Excellent. Well, uh, Mr. Moses, thank you so much for coming on Classical Ideas. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. It's a pleasure for me, too, uh, Greg. Good luck with this. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Classical Ideas is produced by me, Greg Soden. Music on Classical Ideas is performed and composed by Derek Striving. You can find his music at www.wearewarmmusic.com. If you would like to support this show, please subscribe or leave a rating in iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.